Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Well, hello, and a warm welcome to those of you joining us for the latest episode of Beyond Markets. My name is Bernadette Anderko, and I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer. I'm delighted to be joined today by our Head of Macro and Next Generation Research, Norbert Rucker, who's kindly agreed to update us on what amendments we've made to our financial market outlook in light of market events over the summer. Effectively, a fresh perspective as we head into year-end. Hello, Norbert. Hello, Bernadette. So, Norbert, September's always an important time for investors to review their portfolios and to think about how they want to be positioned going towards the year-end. We now seem finally to be approaching the peak of interest rates in both the US and hopefully Europe, but it's difficult to know what might change given that central banks are not really giving us much guidance as to what could happen next, are they? Um, Yes and no, they don't give that much guidance. But if you look back, um, one of the bigger surprises has been how well the economists in North America and Europe have been coping with this very swift and fast advance in rates and this very elevated rates that we see currently. So this has reduced some of the risk that comes from monetary policy, which was basically a question to which degree are we over tightening already on the central bank side. Um, What really was in focus was Jackson Hole, the meeting and the speech of Jerome Powell. And there, uh, if you read a bit between the lines, at least how the market took it, was that he seems to be quite hawkish. So this increased to some extent the odds of a last um, rate hike somewhere later this year. But the big picture still remains that the market believes, as we do, that rates are at their peak, close to their peak. On our end, we do not see another rate hike as necessary because the economy is cooling where it needs to be cooling. It's a slow cooling, for example, in the labor market. So we expect basically no further rate action coming from the Federal Reserve and the first rate cut in uh, July next year. Okay, so the world economy is muddling slowly but surely through what we labelled as the year of the cool down. And there seems to be less chance now of either the Fed or the ECB making a policy mistake by keeping rates too high for too long, for example. But given the increasing slowdown in China's economy and the lack of impact that it's not particularly punchy stimulus measures seem to be having, Is the worry now that China might be the country that falls into the policy mistake trap? Policy mistake is a bit of a strong work. And yes, China definitely is in focus. But there's really structural challenges behind the situation in uh, China. And this basically the demographics. If we look at what happened so far, and we have been observing how the activity in the property sector, especially the construction related activity there, has been softening for quite a while. Um, The new concern basically is more uh, from the balance sheet side, so basically from the debt levels that we see at the households, the debt levels that we see at the property developers, the debt levels that we see at the local governments. And they they seem unsustainable in the environment where um, house prices, property prices uh, come down. The next step everyone has an eye on now is what this means for consumption. So basically, if you have to work down the debt levels, if you start to so-called deleverage, this usually is a bit of a break on consumption activity. So overall, in terms of policy, we expect more of the same, something that rather targets at destabilization of situation, but not a stimulus in the sense of reviving economic activity. 
Okay, so in light of that, then how has this impacted our research calls when it comes to Asia? Well, we obviously, given the situation, did various adjustments. If you look at the economy, China, our growth forecast, we lowered our growth forecast or trimmed them slightly down to 4.2% for next year, for 2024. And exactly the spillover effect from the deleveraging that we see. So we basically expect a bit of a lower consumption. And this obviously also has an impact for the global economy than overall. If you look at the balance sheet side, we don't think that this is a great risk for financial markets globally, simply because the capital markets in China are somewhat close. They're not as interlinked as European or especially the US capital markets. If you look at some of the uh, segments we can invest in, we lowered our view on Asia investment grade bonds down to neutral. This is really sort of a risk precautionary measure because the risk environment has changed. It has increased more to the risky side. And in consequence, we also lowered our view on emerging market hard currency bonds down to neutral. If you look at the currency, US dollar renminbi, the three month through there is unchanged at 7.30. If you look at the equity side, the overall situation in China reconfirms our view to really prefer the United States, given the cyclical momentum that we have there over European equities. If you look at commodities, the weakness in China has been a main topic for quite some time. We stick to our rather cautious view on the metal side, especially steel side, while something like copper sticks out because there we see positive elements from an energy transition perspective, for example. And if you look at some of the themes, the next generation um, uh, side that we have, we stick to our constructive view on Asia tourism because to be honest there, data looks good. There's still lots of traveling coming out of China. Okay, so uh, you covered a lot of points there and uh, we need to perhaps examine them a bit more closely. So why don't we start with equities? So you you already mentioned now that our preference is for US over European equities. They're less exposed to the Chinese consumer. If we drill down a little, what are we actually recommending to our equity investors now? If you look at equity markets overall, they had quite some stellar performance uh, so far this year. And the situation for us is that investors seem a bit or stay a bit vary. So maybe there will be some episodes of profit-taking um, going forward. And also, if you look at September, September is one seasonally of the month where you see might see historically some poor equity returns. If you look at the segments, our kind of focus still rather stays on this uh, defensive, kind of high-quality uh, names, maybe mix it up with, uh, with names that have high free cash flows and uh, kind of rewarding dividend yields. So we have still somewhat of a tilt towards healthcare stocks, um, so these kind of defensive sectors, and uh, also Swiss stocks, uh, that's something we still like. You mentioned now that September can traditionally be a bad month, but we are expecting a rally into the year end, that's correct? Yes, we do. So that's the view then on developed markets. If we take a look now at emerging market equities, we've got a neutral view on them as a whole, but there are some bright spots, right? I mean, India just landed a rocket on the South Pole of the Moon, so there must be some other steps they're taking for mankind, I would imagine. Yeah, India exactly is one of these bright spots. If you look at the economy behind, it's a solid growth, solid consumption growth, very favorable demographics. So India for us stays away to invest into that specific story. But also if you look at other parts of the globe, if you look at South America, Brazil, Chile, there we see a easing cycle. So basically central banks cutting rates. This also is offering some tailwinds for the equity exposure there. So another bright spot we still like. And what about our calls for fixed income? Has anything materially changed there? The main change really has been the one that we are no longer bullish on emerging market hard currency bonds, but we downgraded this view to neutral. And if you look back, the 
rationale basically was partially the China reopening. This sort of played out. The performance of that segment hasn't been that bad. And the change really comes from the overall risk uh, environment with this risk that we see emerging somewhat uh, out of China, the economic risk that we see there. So it's kind of a balancing measure to really make sure the risk reward uh, stays uh, attractive. Um, there's also some bright spots that we've seen. It's it's similar. So, for example, still a South America, given um, the economic backdrop there, um, that's something that we still like. And of course, uh, the longer duration overall. Now, turning our attention to currencies, we expected dollar weakness in 2023, and there was also a lot of discussion about whether we would see de-dollarization happening. I believe our FX analysts are now of the view that the dollar weakness is more or less done or dusted. Is that right? Yeah, to some extent. Well, uh, we see more kind of a sideways trading of the currency pair, uh, euro-dollar, uh, for example. But the, the, the easing weakness or the, the ending end of the weakness phase of the US dollar really is a mirror image of what is happening in the economy. So this more positive momentum that we've seen in the US this uh, strength of the economy in coping very well with this sharp interest rate rise and this very elevated uh, rates. So this is somewhat also providing then a, a footing to the dollar. If we look forward, um, um, we revise our outlook for the Euro US dollar pair to 110 um, because the counterpart in the Euro side, Europe is more slightly more exposed to the softening of economic activity, the consumption softening in China. So this weighing a bit on that. But if you look further ahead, longer term into next year, I still believe that we might see some sort of uh, slight weakness again coming for the US dollar simply because of how uh, rates change that we expect some first uh, rate cuts. Okay. And what about our other preferred currencies in the outlook uh, as of mid-year? That was the yen and the Swiss franc primarily. We stay bullish on the yen, a bit more longer term, because we still believe there will be a, a policy shift, basically um, some sort of slight upside on the rate side. And if you look at the Swiss franc, this currency continues to defy the disadvantage that it comes from uh, the low rates and the low inflation that we have. And uh, also, the overall environment rather remains risk-friendly. So we think that the strength there um, should be rather short-lived. Now, uh, turning to your particular subject of interest, Norbert, uh, next generation and commodities. Let's start with next generation, shall we? Um, artificial intelligence is on everyone's lips and indeed on all our devices uh, these days. And we've had quite some performance in associated stocks already this year, but nevertheless, I believe we're still constructive on the theme. But it does cover a pretty vast area. So there are, are there any specifics that you would recommend investors to focus on? It's definitely a wide area, but I think also a main concern most likely from investor perspective is uh, the valuations, which are a bit stretched. There was quite some uh, solid performance already in there. Um, yes, valuations are um, rather elevated, but nevertheless, we believe that the fundamentals are picking up. Also, they're growing strongly. So uh, we still maintain a constructive view on this theme overall. And if you look at the different segments, um, semiconductor companies, they seem to have really this so-called uh, mode, uh, sustainable competitive advantage. That's where we see some of the higher returns coming from this theme. So that's a segment that we like. While the story of coming from artificial intelligence for something like cloud server providers, so anything that is cloud related, might take a bit longer to materialize. When it comes to commodities, Norbert, I know that we continue to hold a neutral stance, but we still see opportunities for copper. So perhaps you could summarize our views. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, copper is kind of a very interesting commodity these days because it's kind of tossed and torn between uh, two structural trends. 
Um, one being China demographics. So basically the slowdown that we see there in the whole uh, property sector. This is something very negative or let's say negative for the steel sector, iron ore sector, and also to some extent for the copper market because lots of copper ends up in these high-rise buildings as wiring, for example, as copper tubes in the air conditioning units and so on. At the same time, there's increasing copper demand coming from especially the topic of the energy transition. We need copper, a lot of copper in electric cars and the entire infrastructure that come with them. Um, on top, we see that investments has been rather low on the copper side. So we think that these markets over the coming years might see some tightness. And this is really a long-term kind of constructive view that we have on the, on the copper segment. If you look at the commodities overall, they've been very high prices last year. And we stick to the view that these were really cyclical elements at play this was also sentiment elements at play, some sort of hysteria, very high degree of uncertainty what happened geopolitics-wise last year. And there's very few structural trends at play that explain these very high prices. So as ever, Norbert, whenever the market outlook uh, is the topic of the podcast, there's a lot to cover. And I'm just wondering, have I left anything out? Well, we didn't talk about energy that much. Um, if you look at the oil market, for example, we still believe that oil prices as they are where they are today are rather the upper end. Yes, there's a bit of a tightness in the market, but really heading into next year, we believe that there will be sufficient supplies um, and especially the overall oil polit politics, that this is rather some sort of element of uncertainty. And of course, uh, I think it's not that long ago that we had the energy crisis. Um, I think if you look at markets today, things have cooled dramatically. Um, yeah, and confirming that the, that the view that there are many cyclical elements at play and definitely for this winter, uh, you don't need to stock up on candles. <laughs> Thanks, Norbert, for coming on the podcast and providing such a comprehensive overview of our outlook. Thank you, Bernadette. So to summarise briefly what's new for the end of the year, um, economic risks in China have led to us downgrading both Asian investment grade and emerging hard currency bonds to a neutral rating. Swiss franc investments in both equities and bonds remain a cornerstone for any portfolio. Our strategic equity calls remain broadly unchanged, but there's even more reason now to favour US over European equities. And whilst we do expect some volatility in equity markets in September, we believe that this can be a buying opportunity for investors to stock up on quality growth and defensive equities ahead of an expected rally into the year end. And that concludes this edition of the Beyond Markets podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the conversation and you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. Get ready for the day ahead. Moving Markets is a daily market news briefing from Julius Baer's leading experts. You'll hear all about the latest ups and downs across asset classes, the underlying drivers and our thoughts on where markets are heading. Search for Moving Markets on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.